going to the reading of the word of the Lord today. We're going to be going to Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. Man, what an amazing Sunday we had last week. My goodness, if, if you were not here uh, Sunday night and did not get to hear the message from Brother Doug Kleindens, then I, I highly encourage you um, to go back and listen to our podcast um, of the messages from last Sunday. And um, just, we had, we had, I believe, eight miracles last Sunday night uh, in this church, this church. In the state of Ohio, in the Ohio district, we had over 800 notable miracles last weekend. Amen. We had over 300, we had over 350 receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the first time. Something to get excited about. And what I said last week, I think we need to continue is make sure that um, that is not just a, uh, a weekend thing that happens, uh, but that is something that we make a part of this church every day. And, um, you know, God can, uh, God can perform miracles today. And, um, you know, I believe if you came up and got prayed for today, that you received your miracle today. first two rows believed it hallelujah I said if you came up now listen if you needed a miracle I, I guarantee you you're going to shout amen but I believe today brother Matt you brought Timmy up we're believing I believe when the doctor goes back and tests him again does a scan that they're not going to see it I'm going to speak that in faith today I believe that I believe if you need a miracle brother Kleindienst isn't here but God is here amen amen Hallelujah. Today I'm going to be uh, speaking. This is on last Sunday. If you are here last Sunday morning, uh, you know I talked about uh, things that matter and things that don't. And uh, I'm kind of just something where the Lord has me right now for this church is I believe that we have great things ahead. No doubt in my mind. It was pro- prophesied last Sunday night, again, of what God is going to do through this church. And I'm so excited about that. But I also understand that uh, for, for God to do anything through man, man has to be ready for what God wants to do. And I believe that the Lord is trying to prepare us, and there are some things in our lives that we need to remove. And that's why last week I talked about heaven, and I talked about uh, missing out on heaven, talked about the things that matter in our life, the things that don't matter in our life. And there's a reason that the Lord has us here right now in this vein. And uh, there are some things I believe that, you know, you, you can come to church and we can shout. You can shout. Anybody can come in here and shout. Anybody can can put on church. Oh, Kanye was holding church services. Anybody can hold church services. Anybody. Anybody can come up here and, and dance and shout. Somebody can get, get, get your move on and dance and say it's for Jesus. We can shout all day long, but I'm telling you right now, if our hearts are not right, when that trumpet sounds... You can be left here alone just dancing by yourself. I'm telling you right now, when that trumpet sounds, if your heart's not ready, doesn't matter. You say, I was faithful to church, Pastor. I was on the pew every Sunday. Good. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Church pews all over the world this morning are full of backsliders who attend church every Sunday. Their hearts aren't right. They're faithful to the building. 
but they're not faithful to the God. That's where I'm trying to get us. I want us to get us to a place where before we'll ever see miracles, signs, and wonders all the time, I'm telling you, we have to have our hearts right. We have to be a church that is positioned for miracles and outpourings. I want to be positioned. I want to be a church that is positioned to experience miracles every Sunday. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost every Sunday. I want that to be every weekend, every day, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. Amen. So today, I'm going to be kind of in this vein again, but I really want us to check ourselves today. I will not, I say this, and don't laugh, but I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to be long today. I don't know what that means, but I told Brother Nana in the office, I said, I don't have very many notes. And really, that doesn't mean anything. So we'll see what happens. But I ask if you would, if you'll preach with me, if you'll preach with me, I'm not going to be like Brother Oliver and put a time on it. I'm not doing 25 minutes, so I'm not saying that. But if you'll preach with me, my, my passion today is these altars will be full of everybody in this church who can get here to say, God, I've got to be right with you. I've got to put the things of this world aside, and I choose you today. I choose you today. Amen. Amen. If you got your Bibles, let's go to Mark 10, 17 through 22. It says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, and he kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. And thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. He said, do defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And, and he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have obeyed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing. Thou lackest. Could you imagine if the Lord walked up to you today and said, oh, I know you love me, but there's one thing that you lack. I think he would have your attention. I, th I think God would say, I think you would say, okay, Lord, you'd be, I hope we'd be hungry for it. Tell me what it is. If there's one thing that I'm lacking to please you, God, tell me, please tell me what it is. I, I must know. I I'm not going to walk away. He said, there's one thing thou lackest. He said, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying. And he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. For a few moments, I want to speak on this topic. Is that your final answer? Is that your final answer? If we'd put our Bibles down, I want us to lift our hands right now. I want you to pray personally for yourself. Lord, prepare my mind. 
my heart, my spirit, God, for what you have to say in this place today. Jesus, right now, God, I pray, Lord, if you would, right now, God, God, your word, God, your word is already anointed, God. I pray right now, God, if you would anoint my lips to bring forth your word today. God, and I pray right now, God, if you would anoint the ears, the hearts, the minds of the people to hear your word today. God, challenge us, Lord. I pray, convict us, Lord. Draw us to a place, Lord. If there's anything, God, that we lack in pleasing you, God, I pray, God, let our eyes be open to it today, Jesus. God, let us leave this place fully committed unto you, Lord, so that tonight if the trumpet sounds or tonight if you call me home, Lord, that I will be ready, God, to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, God, because we must make heaven today, Lord. We must make heaven in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, is that your final answer? You may be seated. Amen. There is a very popular game show. I believe it's still on entitled, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Who in this place would like to be a millionaire? There are some of you who need to repent because your hand did not go up. Who wants to be a millionaire? The contestants that they are placed on what is called the hot seat. Thank you, sir. He was saying if pastor has water, he'll preach faster. They're placed on this hot seat and then they're asked a series of questions, 15 questions. In all, and each one has a higher value to it. If you get them all right, and you get to the last question, and you answer it right, they bring you out this beautiful check for a million dollars. And they say, you're now a millionaire. Until you got to pay taxes on it. They don't tell you that. You get lifelines and you get a chance to call a friend in, in serious doubt about an answer. That you have this opportunity to call somebody up for some help. And you see the success of the show is, is based on the uh, enchanting concept that a regular person can reach an in, in, uh, in extraordinary height if they can just get the answer right. Does anyone ever watch the show? And you're sitting on the edge of your seat. You know the answer, and you know the person's leaning towards the wrong answer. And you're screaming like they can hear you through that screen. It's C. No, don't pick B. It's C. And then they fail to use a lifeline, and they're so confident. And they say, B. He says, is that your final answer? Yes. Boom. The music plays, and it was C. And you said, oh, it should have been me. Mm-hmm. You have to get all the answers right. So this morning, as they sit in that hot seat, I ask you to please forgive me, but after all, I am a preacher, and I have been given by God to this unique ability to see spiritual world and spiritual parallels and principles, and I see them in just about anything. And you know, as if you're a minister in this place, um, 
you get some of your greatest messages from the weirdest situations in life. And uh, some of the craziest things can happen. And you just say, ooh, that'd be a good sermon. So this show, when I heard about this hot seat, I thought anyone who has been to church very often knows about that hot seat. How many have ever been in a service where, for some reason, that preacher was just really intent on turning up the fires of hell and with flaming eyes and a pointing finger, and he just seemingly knows every single thing that you're doing wrong in life? Anybody been there? There's more that need to repent this morning. We've all been there. It's like, why is he pointing at me? Why is he looking at me? Quit it. Anybody ever been in service with Brother Eli Hernandez? Brother Hernandez was, he was, worked in the, in the uh, ministry. It was just prophetic ministry. And he could, what they call, read your mail. And the Lord would speak things to him that he had, he didn't know who you were. I'll never forget, I was sitting in a service one time with uh, a friend of mine, a friend of Sister B's, and we were, uh, it was in Lancaster Church. And uh, Sister B was ministering in music, and um, and I was just visiting, and we were sitting there, and Brother Hernandez was preaching, and every time he would just start to glance this way off the platform, her friend would say, oh, he's looking at me, he's looking at me, he's looking at me. Oh, don't, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. He's looking at me. And I just leaned over and I said, well, if you would quit doing things wrong, he wouldn't have anything to read. I got slapped. Shut up. She was in that hot seat. We've all been in that hot seat. Where it's like, man, how, how did pastor know that? Like, how, how did they know I did that last night? Um, it's, it's called the Lord. Um, sometimes when I'm stepping on your toes, it's not me stepping on your toes. It's what the word of the Lord has given me to preach. And uh, if it's stepping on your toes, it's God saying, there's something you're lacking. That's all it is. So I'm not here to put anyone on the hot seat today. That's not why I'm here. Although one slip of the pointing finger of the preacher, I know you may, you may feel the heat a little bit today, but that's not why I'm here. You see, Jesus was not afraid to put folks on the hot seat, asking them questions whose answers had an enormous consequence. For example, the baptism of John. Was it of God or was it of men? You see, they didn't want to answer. If they said of men, they feared the people who all believed John was a prophet. And if they said of God, that he would ask why they hadn't obeyed it. So about that time, they wanted to use what we know on this game show as a lifeline. <laughs> I mean, Jesus has asked them questions that are kind of like, um, can I phone a friend real quick, please? Where's, where's that royal telephone when you need it? All you young generation have no clue what I'm talking about. Page 99 in the hymnals. That's where it's at. That's where you'll find it. The royal telephone. Hymnals. You still don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Lost. See me afterwards. I'll explain it to you. I've got one in my office if you would like to see a piece of history. Amen. Jesus would ask, ask questions like, what would it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose a soul? 
He asked questions like, who do men say that I am? And then he got personal and said, who do you say that I am? Talk about a hot seat. You better answer that right. All great questions. But I'm not sure if there is a scriptural example that puts someone on the hot seat more than this encounter with the rich young businessman in our opening text. In essence, Jesus' question was this. Are you willing to forsake everything that you have and follow me? Are you willing to leave everything that you have gained in this world to follow me? Are you willing to forsake all of your earthly riches to gain the riches of heaven? And it saddens me that at the end of that scripture, it says that the young man was sad and grieved. Why was he sad? Because he did not get the answer that he wanted to hear. There's a lot of times in our lives that we come to God and we cry out, God, I need a miracle, or God, I need a blessing. God, I need you to do this, or or, God, I need you to open a door for me. God, I need you to make a way for me. And God makes a way, and you say, hold up. That's not what I wanted. Like we're in charge. God says, that's not what you wanted, but that's the greatest thing for you. It might not look pretty. It might not be the way you painted out. But he said, are you willing to forsake your door for the door that I have for you that leads to my perfect will? It's not always easy living for God. It's not always easy when he comes to you and says, hey, I've got something for you. Here's what it is. It, it, it just saddens me to, to see that all he asked was this, this young man to say, just forget about the things of this world and follow me. Follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. And he walked away grieved. That's sad. Sad. All he was saying was, make me first in your life. Make me first. This question comes, basically it's a yes or no answer. And like for that million dollars, just before he, he simply walked away, he, he should have, before he got all sad and bent out of shape and said, well, this is not what I wanted to hear and walked away. But before he did that, he should have said, can I phone a friend? Is there a lifeline? Is there somebody in the audience here that I can ask? I love that one when someone's in the audience. They're allowed to put it on them and say, I brought my friend with me. I'm going to put it on them. They have to answer the question for me. Or, or, they, or you can do the, you can put it on the whole audience, and the whole audience gets to vote, and you get to choose what, whatever the highest uh, uh, the level is of, of the answers. You can choose off of that. I mean, how smart would this young man have been if he would have said, you know what? I don't know what that looks like to leave everything behind and follow you. Is there somebody in the crowd? Can I ask the crowd, what does this look like? But instead, he gets sad and walks away because Jesus was asking too much of him. He should have inquired of a friend. He should have asked Simon Peter because Simon Peter would have said, say yes. 
I did. You need to say yes right now. Listen to me. You need to say yes because what you're about to experience is a lot better than what you have right here. He said, my life is a lot better than the stinky fish in the boat. I had a good business going, but my goodness, uh, now I'm falling around the king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, now I'm walking around uh, with the one who can say, uh, debts are empty, I'll make them full. Uh, I'll heal your blind. Uh, I'll raise the dead. Uh, he said, that's what I'm experiencing now. You can't buy that. Peter would have said, say yes. Leave it all behind. Give it to the poor. He should have looked back at the testimony of Moses. His answer was recorded in Hebrews 11, 24 through 26. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He said, I don't care. You want to put me up here as royalty. He said, you can remove that from me because that's not who I am. That's not the blood that's running through my body. That's not my DNA. He said, I belong to him. He was willing to walk away from it all. He could have looked up the record of Abraham who laid his son on the altar. All these stories he could have went back to. That he, he, he could have went to, to Daniel who, who made a choice and lived through a lion's den. Or maybe three Hebrews who said, we won't bow, we won't bend, and also we won't burn. Why? Because my God is good. And he's bigger than you. My God is greater than anything on this earth. It doesn't matter. You sit upon some throne king and you tell me to bow down to you. I don't care who you are. You've got riches. You've got everything you need in this world. But what I have is greater than the riches of this world. I refuse to bow down. Somebody needs to look at the things around you and you need to say, I refuse to bow down. I refuse. I refuse to give in. I will not. I will not compromise. I will will not bow down to anything, uh, any pressure of this world. Uh, I will preach, I'm telling you as your pastor, I will not compromise this word, uh, but I will preach the gospel. Even if they throw me in jail, throw me in jail. Uh, I'll preach the gospel, whatever. Take away the church, I'll preach the gospel. I will not bow down or compromise. Because I understand what my reward is. And it's not here on earth. It's not here the rich young man could have looked back to Paul. Paul, who left his high and lofty position in the religious world of prestige to join those who have been baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I guarantee you everyone would have said, Yes, young man, you need to leave this behind. You need to follow Jesus. It was sad to me. I've heard it said one time that, that if he would have said yes, and he would have said, follow me. It makes you wonder what part of the Bible, how many stories he would have been involved in. How many times his name would have been mentioned among the 12. But yet, he chose a different road, a different direction. Most of us, regardless of our scriptural death, our depth, 
and knowledge of religious principles and difference in church doctrines. We all have a God-given ability to know when he is drawing us and calling us to move in closer unto him. We know when we have drifted away. Every one of us know. You know right now this morning when you're sitting here, you know you're not as close as you used to be to him. You know it. You know your heart. He knows your heart. Your neighbor might not know that. I might not know that. You might look like you have it all together. But there's a reason I'm preaching this message this morning. Somebody needs to hear it. That you've drifted away. And you've been giving yourself to the things of this world. And God is saying to somebody, lay it down. Pick up your cross. And get back in line and follow me. We know you know when you've drifted, if you really found true treasures. You know if you've never really found the true treasures of the Christian walk. And you know if you have. If you sit here with peace today. You sit here and you go through situations like some of us have in the past few months of losing loved ones. That means so much to you. You, you understand what it's like to walk through the valley of shadow of death. You know what it's like to walk through that sadness but have the great peace that passeth all understanding. There's treasures in this Christian walk. I'm not saying it's treasures that you have in your pocket or in your bank account. I'm not talking about that. Those things are going to be left behind. They're not going with us. I'm talking about the love, the grace, the mercy, the peace, those things that come along this Christian walk. You you can't buy that. You can't buy that. I heard somebody said the other day, man, if I could just be a millionaire, I'd be happy. Give me a list of famous Millionaires have taken their own lives. Majority of them left letters behind because they said, I thought I had it all, but there was something missing. What was missing is in this room this morning. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. It's the Christian walk. It's the Christian life. That when things get hard, it's okay. He said, I'll lift you up. When it begins to storm down upon you, he said, it's okay. I'll be your shelter in the time of storm. When the storms start racking around you, it's okay because he said, I'll be your rock that you can stand on and I'll never move. I'm telling you, we got to understand what we have this morning in this place. You got to understand the life you're living is the good life. They're not living the good life out there, partying on Friday nights, can't remember where they were Saturday morning. That's not the good life. What the good life is get drunk on the Holy Ghost. Well, somebody needs to receive the Holy Ghost again this morning. If you're happy for what you have, won't you stand to your feet, quit sitting there, stand up, put your hands together, and shout, God, I love you. God, I worship you. God, I've got the good life. I got to get closer to you. We've got it good. We've got it good. We just don't realize we forget too much how good we've got it. We, we, we've got it good in this Christian walk. Now I ask you, I ask, have to ask the question this morning. I have to ask this question. Imagine, if you will today, that just for a few moments, it is you on the hot seat. And the question, the question is this. Here's the question. Does your life 
in its current condition. I'm not talking about the way you walked for him 10 years ago. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about how you walked for him last Sunday because things happen day to day. I'm talking about not, not, how, not how you were committed to him when, when, when you first got the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is where are you today? Does your life in its current condition represent your final answer to God? Have you prayed all the prayers that you intended on praying? Do you ever intend on being more faithful to church than you are right now? How many New Year's resolutions that you made with him that never came to pass? God, I'm going to pray more this year. I'm going to fast more this year. I'm going to get closer to you this year. This is going to be the year. This is going to be it, God. This is going to be the week. What, what an amazing outpouring at church, God. I'm, I'm going to tomorrow morning, Monday morning, I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray. And the alarm goes off. You get up and you go right back into your routine. Have you repented of all you ever intended on repenting for? Have you received all from him that you ever intended on receiving from him? Have you given all you intended on giving to him. If somehow you could hit the pause button on your life and freeze frame yourself right where you are, I ask you this morning, does your life represent your final answer concerning your eternity? I will tell you, I will share this with you. I am on a group text message and a Zoom call every Friday with about 30, 35 ministers and pastors and evangelists. And early this morning, I got a text message on my phone, and there's a pastor from this, this state, state of Ohio, who texted, and he said, God woke me up early this morning, and God told me to go to prayer for everyone on this list. He said, I want you to know every pastor, every evangelist, uh, I have prayed for you. He said, here is why. He said, because God told me in some of your services, he said, the people are going to hear my word for the last time, and I am taking them home. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. You cannot say, I'll get it all together. I know there are people we pray for. We said they're backslidden, Pastor. They're backslidden. I wish they would get it all together. When God's looking down and saying, I wish you that would you sit in my pews every Sunday. I wish you would get it all together. Because when your time comes, your time comes. He didn't say what churches, but he said there are going to be those sitting on pews that you're preaching to this morning. He said they will not see tomorrow. I didn't tell him when I was preaching today. I haven't talked to him in weeks. But I'm just telling you, we've got to take this serious. Your final answer is the life you're living right now. Is it good enough? Is that your final answer to him? This morning, concerning your eternity, is it your final answer? I remember just a few months ago, 
just a few months ago, I hope it's okay to talk about this again. I know it's fresh, but just a few months ago, Brother Ron, your dad came and said, I need to talk to you on a Wednesday night. I said, I need to talk to you in your office. He's never done that before. I thought, sure, Elder. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, let's go in the office. We went in the office, and he, he said, well, you baptized me. I said, yes, sir. With tears in his eyes, he said, I have to make sure my election is sure. He said, I have to. He said, I'm not sure I did it for the right reason the first time. I'm not sure it was done right. He said, I have to make sure. I have to make sure. I wish that passion and desire was in all of us this morning. God, i got to make sure. I've got to make sure, Lord. I can't wait till next Sunday. I can't wait till Tuesday night prayer. I can't wait till Wednesday night, God. I got to make sure today. God, am I ready? If this is me, if this is it today, God, if this is my day, this could be it. Mark, I'm glad you're here, but you know, the reality is I worked at that hospital you went to, I worked in that same lab you went to. And I myself watched people not make it off that table with my own eyes, with my own hands, tread chest compressions for 45 minutes trying to save a life. I know what it's like to watch life slip away and understand they just entered into eternity. Thank God his hand was upon you. Thank God you know who he is and you're living for him and you got your family and church. Thank God for that. You want to give your kids an inheritance? Here's where you give them an inheritance. It's called an altar. Teach them how to use it. It's called a Bible. Teach them how to open it. Come on, teach them how to make their way to an altar. You want to lead them somewhere? Lead them to the altar every Sunday. Take them by the hand and say, come on, baby. This is where you're going to find what you need. This is where you're going to find salvation. This is right here. Right here is going to find your miracles, your signs and wonders. Right here, let me show you where it's at. Lead them to a place they'll never forget. Lead them to a place that will pull them out of the pit when they fall in it because they're going to fall in it. But pull them out. I'm telling you right now, we've got to have parents that understand how good this life is. Skipping church is because you just don't feel like it. I'm just too tired. I'm sorry. I know I said I'm going to point the finger, but listen, I'm not trying to point too hard this morning. I'm just trying to get you to understand that their final answer is going to rest on what your answer is today. Thank you for commitment. I know there are those of you today, you're, you're just slap worn out today. Thank you to everybody who came yesterday and you worked for hours tirelessly getting this basement cleaned up after all the issues we've had with the water. Thank you for coming. I know you were tired. It was muggy outside, but you were here serving the kingdom. It wasn't just a cleaning day. We got to understand this. That's serving the kingdom. Thank you. Appreciate it. Ain't nothing make my, happy, my heart happier. I look out and I think, man, this unity in a church is powerful. Not just on Sundays, but it's powerful every day. 
I looked, I saw that. I know some of you are so tired, but you're here. Brother Tim, I know you worked till 4 o'clock this morning. You drove to Pennsylvania and back. But you're here. Thank you. I appreciate that. That tells me something. You understand what I'm preaching this morning. You understand the commitment. You understand the Christian walk. You get it. You get it. Does, does, the, does your life represent the final answer? I'm closing. Musicians, you can come. I close with this. Acts 24, verses 24 and 45. It says, Felix came with his wife, and he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, By thy way for this time, he said, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He was saying, when it's convenient for me, then I'll call for you. When it's convenient for me, I'll get things right. He was basically saying, I'll do it next time. I I I'll get you next time. I'll get you next time. He was, I, I don't have time for you this time. I'll catch you next time. How many times has God been pulling on your heart in a service? He's saying, just come to the altar. Oh, come to the altar. Come on, come to the altar. I've got something for you. And you said, oh, God, I'll get you next time. I'll get you next time. I understand next time may never come. You know, there's a reason. There's a reason. That this water right here is 87 degrees every day of the week. Because if somebody called me tomorrow morning and said, Pastor, I need to get baptized. I wouldn't say, oh, great. We're having baptism Sunday in two weeks. Why don't you come then? But we have baptism Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. I'm not talking bad about having a baptism Sunday. We've done it. It's good. But you don't turn the tank off on the other days. No. Because I understand that tomorrow might not come for you. I'll never forget the story that a preacher told me that someone came to him on a Wednesday night and said, Preacher, I got to get baptized. I heard your message tonight. The preacher was getting ready to walk out the door and everything was basically shut up for the night. And he said, man, that's so great. I'm glad you responded to the word of God. He said, you be here Sunday morning and I'll baptize you. And the young man said, okay, I'll be here Sunday morning. And I'll never forget the look on the preacher's face. When he got word that that young man was killed in a car accident on his way to church Sunday morning. He never had the opportunity to take him down that saving name. We don't have tomorrow. I can't say like Felix here. You know, when it's convenient for me, when it's convenient season, I'll get back to you. I'll call you then.
I'll get my life right then. I'll don't do it then. I'll do it next time. He says, preachers who become eyewitnesses to, to those souls through the years that make their final answer. Sometimes they're not always right. But somewhere in some situation, everyone in this room, you'll make your final answer concerning your soul. My million dollar question for you this morning in this place, does your life represent your final answer today? I'm not talking about next week. I'm not talking about 20 years ago, but today, right where you're at. If this is your last time to be in his presence on earth, if this is your last day, you know your heart, you know your spirit, you know where you're at. You know what things you're holding on to. You know what things you need to let go of and lay on an altar. You know it better than I do. Only you and God know it. You know those things. And I ask you today, the condition you're in right now, is that your final answer for God today? I want us all to stand. I want us to close our eyes in this place. And I want you, before you make your way to an altar, I want you to search your own heart today. I want you to search your own life today. And I want you to ask yourself, if today was it, if this was my final answer, is this what God requires of me? Is this is what he has called me to do or called me to be? Have I been what I need to be? What is going to happen to me, my eternity? Have I responded to the word? Have I responded to the preaching? Is my heart right with you, God? Is my heart right with you, Lord? If today's the day, will I make it, Lord? If today's the day, is my life right, God? Because you see everything. You see everything, Lord. If God comes to you today and says, one thing, there's one thing you lack. I pray right now, if you would, if you would lift your hands and say, God, reveal unto me if there's anything that lacks in my life, Lord. If there's anything, God, that you want me to have that lacks, Lord. God, if there's anything there, God, the things of this world, God, that is uh, is taking place of you, Lord. I pray right now, God, if you would, show it to me, Lord. God, if there's one thing, God, that lacks. He was saying, leave this world behind. Leave the things behind and commit yourself to me. Leave these things behind and fall in love with me. Fall in love with me and receive the riches of heaven. God has it for you today. God has it for everybody in this place today. But I'm asking